Another episode of Glitchin. I almost forgot the name of my own damn podcast for a second because I'm reading as I'm talking, and that's just something that happens to me a lot. Uh, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I am the way that I am. Welcome back. It's me, your host, Adrian Earhart. Happy to be here as always. Uh, this is another solo app. So if you don't like just me, you can bounce out now. The four of you, maybe five of you by now, who are listening. I'll have a guest on the next one, but I'm just trying to get back in the habit of podding. And what better day to do it than the day that I officially gave my notice at work? I'm, uh, I was, you know, gonna go part time, and now I'm like, mm, I'm just gonna dip. I'll be doing some uh, contract work for them, but I, uh, I need like, I need my whole life right now because comedy's back, the clubs are open. I'm finally fucking healed from all my surgeries and it's time to make that leap. The The door's open for when and if I want to come back and I love my job and my people and my shop and all the stuff there, but um, I just need a break. I need a break for a while and I'm really glad that I have that to come back to if I need it, but you know, to make it as an artist, you need to not have a plan B and you need to burn all your ships and what did Zane say to me earlier when I was like, what if I just quit fully? He was like, uh, the enemy of great is good. And that resonated with me. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. I got to take the plunge. So my boss was really chill about it. He's the best. And um, it's not as scary because I, I'll still be working with them and, and making enough money to survive, but live very differently than I've been living. And that's perfect timing for like, you know, summer going to Europe coming back and floating around living wherever for a while so I'm very excited about it it's a day to celebrate thanks for celebrating with me on tonight this lovely Wednesday night I'm stoked about it and I'm really happy that I had you know Zane pushing me to kind of take that plunge he did it years ago he was the director of ops for a big business and um you know, loved his job, loved his bosses, loved everything, but was just, it was taken over his whole life and his brain was not filled with comedy as it should be, but, you know, work stuff. <clears throat> so he, uh, he took that plunge four years ago and has been living as a comedian for four years and been making a living. And I, he got his bills down really low and now he's just making more money and we can have a, a better life. But I was, I've been really impressed by that and that entrepreneurial spirit I wanted to emulate it. And that reminds me of like, not that he's my mentor, but having a mentor is so important. And I've had several in my life and I've been really grateful to them. And they've kind of like guided me for a while and then kind of stepped out of my life. And that's okay. You know, that happens. Um, but I'm always grateful for them. Uh, I had a mentor in high school, one of my favorite teachers and um in middle school and then in college my professor uh is the first linguistics class I ever took um it was actually weird how I got into linguistics if anyone cares I'm going to talk about it anyway I was coming into college and uh I was trying to test out of some Spanish because I had taken Spanish four 
in high school and was just like really good at Spanish. So I went to go take a, a test to test out of it. And they were like, okay, so far the written part, you've tested out of three levels of Spanish here. You only need one class to graduate college. Uh, and I was like, tight <clears throat> with, uh, you know, regular, I think I was political science at the time. I had just recently stopped being a dancer. And they were like, you got to go take this class real quick and do like an oral test with the teacher there. And so I was in this class and I was uh, taking like a an oral test, if you will, just like basically answering questions in Spanish. And I remember the teacher was like drawing a body on the board and she was like, name these body parts. And people were like, you know, the nose and the lips and everything. And then I came up and pointed to the nipple area and I said la teta and everybody laughed you know and the teacher gave me like a an interesting look and I was like ah shit I'm I fucked up again and after class she pulled me aside and was like do you know what uh, linguistics is and I was like I do not and she was like it's the study of language and most people who do linguistics who study linguistics also concurrently study languages as well not that it's a requirement. Linguistics is the study of language, not necessarily of languages. And um, she was like, I think you could really benefit from learning about linguistics. You should go to a, a linguistic society meeting. It's tomorrow night. And I was like, all right, that's weird. I, I guess I can try that. So I show up and we played some fun game that I've played on this show before. Uh, where you do like a, a word with a definition and someone tells you the real definition and a fake definition. You have to guess which one. And the trick is to like make it sound logical enough that people are fooled by it. If you've ever listened to this podcast before, I play it with every guest that comes on. That's really what language sticks is. And um, I thought that was such a cool, fun game. And all these word nerds were so interesting. And then I was talking to some of them and like, there was like a Chinese lady who was studying Arabic and a, a Guatemalan kid who was studying French and all these people speaking all these different languages. And like I, in high school, I took Spanish and French at the same time. And they had to make a lot of arrangements for that to be acceptable um, because they were like, no one's ever asked to do that before. But I was top of my class in both of those and I don't know how nobody knew earlier that I was supposed to be a linguist. So I had such a great time at this linguistic society meeting that I, you know, inquired more about it from the, the current president. And he was like, it's not too late to sign up for interlinguistics if you want to take that. That's uh, Wesley's teaching that. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, I'd already done like the core requirements of college. So I could just take a uh, electives and I was trying to do political science I thought I wanted to be a politician despite my uh colorful background drugs most most uh most prominently and I I decided to take it I signed up for the class and the teacher was uh he was a TA and he used to play in Miami Sound Machine with Gloria Stefan and he was cool and he didn't speak any other languages, but he spoke what he would later refer to as English in many languages, which means he understood the grammatical structure of sentences spoken by people from other languages, subject, verb, object, etc. And he knew how to ask questions in English to people who spoke a different language in a way that they would understand. Uh, for instance, like in Chinese, they don't say, um, 
where is your mother? They would say, the mother of you, where? So if he spoke English like that to somebody, they would understand him because they do, most countries study the lingua franca, which is English. So I thought that was really interesting. And he would tour with Miami Sound Machine with Gloria Stefan and speak to other people in different languages. And then eventually after retiring from music, he brought his guitar a few times. He was fucking killer. And he was, um, he took a liking to me because I asked so many questions and I always knew answers and I would figure things out really fast. And I just was, I mean, immediately completely enthralled with linguistics and then I was like his pet project and then the more classes he was allowed to teach the more I was allowed to take and he had been in like some kind of training to be an FBI agent an interrogator so he taught how to catch liars and uh, a couple other classes like that and I was just so freaking fascinated by that stuff I wanted to be a spy after taking you know his intro class and I took I think I took three more classes with him as my teacher other people too, of course, you have to, to round it out. But the school is so small that by my senior year, I was just taking all graduate level linguistics courses. So the opportunity for me to get my grad degree there was not going to happen. But it was fascinating learning about linguistics and, and how scientific it truly is. I mean, I was looking at, towards the end there, graphs of uh, the outline of teeth in a tongue. And it, from the tongue's position, I had to figure out which vowel was being represented by the airflow. It was extremely scientific and I decided to go the all English route. Like in, with linguistics, you can either take, you know, Spanish one and two and then Spanish literature and Spanish history and things like that. Things where you have to classes where you have to actually speak the language to pass. And uh, you could also do French or German. I decided to go English all the way. So I took Chaucer and Shakespeare and um, history of the English language because I wanted to go all the way back and find the roots, pigeons and creoles. Any class I could take about it. Chaucer was easy because I speak some Norwegian and that's, um, you know, Middle English is essentially Old Norse. So it was very comparable and much easier. And my Norwegian friend Adam was in class with me. So we both did really well on, on all the Chaucer tests. And then Shakespeare, um, obviously everybody's studied Shakespeare and AP English in, uh, in high school. Anybody who took AP classes. So that was super awesome and fun and my teacher really liked me so that was nice and uh yeah I've, I really got into the the classes about liars and being a spy and stuff and then my teacher was like you know you you, you could be an interrogator but being a spy you got to be like inconspicuous and there's nothing inconspicuous about you and I was like yeah I don't know about that I think I'm pretty run-of-the-mill and he's like no you got a really strong bone structure and uh a presence that you need to mask if you want to be, you know, in the CIA. And I was like, well, I don't know if I believe that, but I could probably be in the CIA anyway. And then came some interrogations that we had to listen to and study from serial killers and horrible people. And I just got really turned off by how cool you have to be in the face of such evil. And I was like, I think I'm too compassionate, uh, to do this I don't know if I could ever turn off like that and he's like well you do they train you but I get why you might not want to do that and it was like I needed to go into a military branch to start trying to go that route and my my partner at the time uh, who I ended up marrying was like not on board with that um and not on board with me going to grad school right after graduating either because he he didn't have a job somewhere yet and he was like you can just go to grad school where I work this is what happens to women we just uh become 
not women, not just women. That's sexist. Like somebody who's susceptible to their partner. This is what happened to me before was I was just like, all right, I'm going to be the wife of an academic. So I have to get my grad degree wherever he's working, regardless of whether they have a good linguistics program or not. And I kowtowed to that. Ended up working at freaking Abercrombie and Fitch for a year before finally going back to school and getting my second degree in computer science because I figured out I wanted to do computational linguistics for my grad degree. And by that point, my marriage was falling apart. And when I got accepted to the University of Seattle or University of Washington in Seattle for my master's in computational linguistics, by that point, I was separated and leaving my husband. Um, I didn't end up going, obviously. If any of you know the story, I got arrested for cannabis couple weeks before I was supposed to leave for grad school and then deferred and then found comedy and here we are but um that's my linguistics journey and how I started in linguistics and I hope that it becomes more ubiquitously known throughout middle and high schools kids who have an aptitude for languages are kind of discovered sooner because it is rare for somebody especially like you know into your 30s to still be learning languages and doing well and, and speaking them without much practice And I wish I'd stuck with it. I didn't want to be a teacher, though. That's what a lot of people do from linguistics. They go teach English in a second language and then eventually come back and teach their second language to people. Um, My best friend went all around the globe doing that. He just recently got back from China. He was there for a few years in France. And um, so cool. Linguistics is such a unifying thing. A lot of gay dudes in my linguistics program. Like a lot. And I, I don't know, maybe that's because they're considered more feminine whatever that is and therefore better communicators but I loved having them around Um, it felt like my old dance career you know so I'm actually gonna get to the point (laughs) of this podcast which is glitches and talk about a couple glitches that happened to me Um, I was at a an Italian restaurant with my boyfriend a few weeks ago and I was talking about how excited I was that we're going to Europe And the food was like, okay, at this restaurant. I'm not going to name it because that's rude, but it was just like, whatever. And I was like, under my breath to Zane, I was like, man, I wish I was eating French food. And then like five seconds later, a table, like far enough away that they definitely didn't hear me. uh, A lady goes, no, I love French food. That's my favorite. Can we try that next time? I was like, what a fucking glitch that we both are talking about French food right now. I mean, one could argue that. We're at a restaurant and people talk about food at a restaurant, but talking about French food in an Italian restaurant, come on, come on. That's a glitch. And, um, we weren't even, we hadn't even booked France yet. We hadn't booked most of the the Europe trip. And that's when I was like, we're going to start with Paris. And that's where we're starting on our Europe trip. Cause I had that glitch and that's how that happened. Another glitch that happened was I was shopping with Zane in Vegas last week. We were just window shopping and, my sandals broke and they're flip-flops they were like five dollar flip-flops from target 15 years ago they were gonna die eventually and I was like oh shit and the ground was so hot I could not walk barefoot for any length of time and I look up and we're right in front of an O'Neill which is like notoriously full of surfer flip-flops and that's my favorite flip-flop brand is Reef, and then they were in there. So I went and got some Reef sandals immediately. And I feel like that was, some people might call that a god shot. I call it a glitch. I was like, oh, shit, my sandal. Oh, there's the sandal store. Like, how, what are the chances that would happen? There was a big-ass outlet mall with a lot of places that don't have shoes, sandals specifically. So I'm counting that 
as a glitch. I have a fun fact. I years ago when social media was becoming a a job that people had, like ten, maybe fifteen years ago, even, um, and it was still uncharted territory and unknown. There were like words that didn't exist yet, like uh, a possibility to become viral. It's viralness. It's virality. Those were not words yet. And I remember in a meeting having another social media person say, well, we have to, you know, make sure this is, is clickbaity because we have to make sure there's, there's some virility to it. Everyone was like quiet for a second. And I just like moved on in the meeting. And then I pulled her aside after I was like, virility is actually uh, a man's uh, ability to fuck, (laughs) if you will. Um, I think the word you're looking for is virality, which is actually not even a word. And then she started Googling. She's like, you're right. That's not a word. It should be a word. And I don't know what made me think of that. I think because I was talking to my social media manager earlier and she was like, well, I want to just post and make sure the virality of it or whatever. And I was like, is that a fucking word yet? And I look and show enough, virality is a word. So a postability to uh, have the potential to go viral is testing its virality if anyone cares i don't know if anyone cares i cared i think that's pretty cool not to be confused with vitality let's play um a little linglitch sticks if you will as it as you might know from the four of you who listen religiously that i like to say a word that i think is really cool and talk about its etymology if i have a guest here i give them two definitions and make them guess the right one and try to make it really difficult they usually get it right Um, But sometimes I trick them. And that's really wonderful for me. Uh, I don't get a lot of fun these days. I'm kidding. My life is awesome. I live on the beach. Anyway, the word is surreptitious. It's one of my favorite words because it's a way of saying someone did something sneakily or covertly without implying there was malice. It just kind of means like, I don't know, like like sneaky, but I feel like sneaky is like you call someone sneaky in a negative way, in a derogatory way. Surreptitious is just kind of like, you know, that's pretty slick. Very snake-like, very surreptitious of you. Smooth like syrup, you know? I've always liked that word a lot. And I never knew its etymology. So I looked up its etymology and you guys have to hear it because you're listening to my podcast and that's what we do here. And it's from the mid 15th century. It's from the Latin word. Of course, it's from Latin because, you know, a lot of our languages, we are Germanic language to a certain extent, but about a quarter to a third of our language is French or Latin. And this, uh, it's from the Latin surreptitious, which means stolen, furtive, or clandestine, which is from surreptis, which is the past particle of surreptire. It means to seize secretly, to take away, to steal, to plagiarize. That meaning, I think, has been removed completely from this. It's from the assimilated form of sub, which means from under, hence secretly, because, you know, subvert means to go under someone. Uh, And with the suffix uh, repere, which means to snatch. So that's where you get surreptitious, uh, which in and of itself is, is, it means like kept secret. It's an adjective. Kept secret especially because it would not be approved of. They carried on a surreptitious affair. Oh, I didn't mean to make this about my ex, but they're, you know, that's a glitch <laughs> that I chose a word surreptitious. I would not use surreptitious uh, with him though, because that was sneaky. 
I, I prefer surreptitious to be like it was a, a surreptitious movement of passing her a note under the table. Something more lighthearted like that. That's just how I interpret language. And as long as you understand what I'm saying, technically what I'm saying is right. And that's the difference between, I'm sure you've heard me say this before, sorry for the repetition, a descriptivist linguist and a prescriptivist linguist. Prescriptivist linguists prescribe language. These are the rules. This is the pronunciation. These are the roots. This is how you have to say it. If it's a borrowed word, if it's, you know, French, you have to say it like the French say it, etc. Prescriptivist. Descriptivist describe language as it's happening. For instance, a descriptivist made the word virality because it needed to happen. It needed to get in there. Uh, and like a descriptivist wrote an alternative pronunciation for mischievous in the dictionary as mischievous because enough people were saying it that you have to accept that. And if I say, oh, he was being mischievous, you fucking know what I'm saying. So it's right. That's really what it is. If you're interlocutor, if there's mutual uh, understanding, then you're then you're good. It's a word. So relax, everybody. I mean, I'm a word nerd and I prefer things to be pronounced correctly, but language is a living, breathing thing that evolves. And I started as more of a prescriptivist linguist. I mean, I'd always been a grammar freak. And then slowly as I learned about more cultures and like the, honestly, it was seeing the history of English as it's transformed. I did a whole presentation in my Pigeons and Creoles class about how English is a Creole. If you don't know the foundation of that, the, a pigeon is a language that's formed when two people of, of differing languages are trying to communicate with each other and they make sort of a makeshift language. Uh, for instance, the the Dutch um trade people when they captured uh, slaves there were african languages spoken and dutch language spoken and then they would try to communicate with each other and that's how you get things like portuguese um and like the french with the african as well that's how you got uh, uh haitian creole so it's a pigeon as long as it's spoken at a superficial level without any kind of structure or grammatical rules or syntax or semantics and the generation who's born from the intermingling of those two cultures makes it a creole because they establish rules they you know they, these toddlers who are learning you know the the dutch word for sit is sitten and the african word for sit was poing and now they're saying poing or something like that like obviously i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about but now the kids are using that and they're able to correct each other no this is the word for sit as we've come to understand it and we say you sit, I stand. We don't say, I stand, you sit. Like there's structure. You decide where the subject and the verb and the object go in the sentence. And and that's, this is something that happens organically. I mean, this goes back to Chomsky, who believed that we all have a universal grammar ability inside of our brains. And no matter what happens, whatever language we're speaking, we're able to make rules for that language and adhere to them so that we can be, you know, mutually intelligible to other other people and that's what happens with a pigeon now technically that would mean that there's no pigeons that exist but there are some really intricate rules around pigeons that means there's there's a big pigeon community that still exists in papua new guinea and the language is called talk piscine we learned a lot about it it's not that interesting i'm not going to bore you with it but if someone ever says pigeon it's it's actually spelled p-i-d-g-i-n and there's one called talk piscine um, and that's very interesting. Mostly it's a pigeon still because they never graduated their language due to their isolation. Now, French uh, Haitian pigeon became a Creole 
when rules were established. And at this point, the language has been spoken for so long by so many people in mutually intelligible way that it's bizarre that it's still called a creole and we discussed that in this class at length that that it was racist to keep it as a creole because really what they are speaking is a dialect of french with an african influence many many different african languages as a conglomeration in there but the the root of that language is french um french and haitian people can nearly communicate with each other and most haitians study french in school so it's interesting how language is um that we're racist so much with how we treat other people's languages as well, just because of who speaks them. And it's interesting because the island that Haiti is on, Hispaniola, shared with the Dominican Republic, they don't speak Spanish because there's a huge mountain range between those two countries. That's why there are two countries. And uh, there's no intermingling there because you'd have to get in a boat and go around to get to the other side. And it's two very, very different cultures. But the Spanish spoken on you know, on that side of the island for the Dominican Republic is very different than other Spanish elsewhere because it was a port and there was a lot of foreigners and trades and stuff. Remember when this podcast was about weird glitches that happened because drugs? Um, <laughs> sorry. I just went off on a linguistics rant. My apologies. Um, it's going to happen again. You just have to accept it. It's going to have to deal. Did I tell you guys about my last DMT experience? I can't, I think I did. Anyways, the snake, uh, basically told me like you can do you can be an integral part of a job wherever you're from so I'm going to be 100% remote and not doing most of the things I was doing before and not being a boss and that really excites me that's really why I sat down to make this today I was really excited because now I'm going to try to make this my job or at least part of it and get back on stage and write new jokes and I need a whole new act my act was very, very angry, and uh, I was obviously going, getting through the breakup. It, I mean, I was going to die, and stand up again saved my life through another tough time. And I saw another friend post on Twitter yesterday. She's like, I've gone months or even years without doing stand-up um, because of you know my mental health or whatever. And she's like, and sometimes I don't want to do it at all, and then sometimes I scrap all my jokes and write new ones and get on stage and fucking crush it, and those are some of the best sets I've ever had. She's like, does anyone else feel that way? I'm like, 100%. I took a big old break. Pretty much right after I got married, I went like two years without doing comedy, and the only reason I got back on stage is because we had a huge blow-up breakup, and I was in so much pain. I was like, it's either die or <laughs> get back on stage, and then the situation was so cliche and so funny that the jokes were nearly writing themselves, and they kind of evolved into being less angry and more mocking. And the last set that I did with hoop um, in San Francisco was, you know, these jokes, but me like assuring the crowd, like, yeah, I'm good now. I got a really hot boyfriend. I live on the beach. I'm, I'm happy. I'm good. <laughs> Everything's going well. I froze my eggs. Like I have all, I have options. Everything's good. Um, and they appreciate that, but I'm ready to write more observational shit. It's just, it's hard to figure out to kind of reinvent yourself as a comic because like a lot of people are like well he talks about this or she talks about that like Zane talks about relationships a lot um or like you know the things he does to make money or has done to make money and I don't really know what I want to focus on yet but uh not being an ex-wife again although that's part of it that that's part of my identity I think there's going to be a lot of Florida talk a lot of uh stuff that happened to make me who I am and bullshit that I did as a kid as a punk and things that I thought were true, but are not, <laughs> um, 
had this bit that was like a, a random side note years ago that I think I want to elaborate on because I thought I read a lot of like Laura Ingalls Wilder and shit from like the 17, 1800s, even farther back. I love like old school learning about like what everyday life was like. And that's why Laura Ingalls Wilder's books are so interesting. Little, Home on, uh, Little House on the Prairie and that kind of stuff, because it's a, a really in-depth look of what fucking mundanity was back then you know sewing and making sugar cakes and salt pork and why did you use salt pork because it preserved the meat through the winter and you had to do this and building their own houses and what that was like and being courted I thought that was so interesting and she was talking about how um somebody gave birth and then she died in childbirth and her child needed to be fed by a wet nurse and I remember being like what the fuck is a wet nurse and it's like a, oh, another woman who can feed a, a baby for someone else. And I was like, are you telling me that if someone sucks on my nipples, milk is going to come out of them? But of course, I didn't have anyone to ask this of. Uh, Google wasn't a thing yet. And I'm, again, dating myself here. So I thought that if somebody sucks on your tits, milk will come out. So I didn't let anyone suck on my boobs. You know, when I first started growing these tits, which is a shame because 18-year-old, you know, double D's, quite impressive um I don't know if they were quite double D's because I was real skinny but they were big they were big old big old boobies and I didn't let people suck on them until someone sorted me out they were like no they have to have had a child first so that they could milk they're feeding their child and someone else's child I was like oh that makes more sense that definitely makes more sense I'm from Florida so that as a an encapsulation of of what I want to kind of talk about moving forward all the shit that I thought was true but isn't true uh, my friend told me that when she heard any baby cry she would start milking and I was like oh my god is that gonna happen to me and I was like no 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 you had a baby that's why right she was like obviously sometimes I can be very dense just like my titties hey um this has probably been enough for you guys you know you're be excited for me there's gonna be more OnlyFans stuff probably going to go back to a subscription-based um, platform and then put more content on the feed because it's just not as lucrative as I thought it was going to be. And people are still asking me to show whole and I just stop. But I do want to go back to making customs for some of my favorite people and um, having more fun on there, you know? And as I lose the weight and get back in shape because of PT, my PT today, oh my God, she was so rough on me. That thing was the tool she used to to get at my incision scars are those tools are so insane it looks like a fucking knuckle grip did i tell you this i told someone else earlier i'm losing my man my mind see when i don't have to go to work anymore my i'm gonna pot in the morning it's gonna be great it looked like uh brass knuckles sort of with like half of a scissor on it but it's kind of a dulled edge she was like scraping the shit out of my i have four incisions one is the big one where the tendon was reattached and then three where like cameras and tools were and stuff and oh my god it was so fucking painful it dissociated and um yeah I don't I don't want to have to do that again but physical therapy is cranked up and I'm lifting again and I'm I'm squatting and doing cool shit for my hip and I'm riding my bike again so once I'm all hot and stuff I'll be definitely making a lot more content for OnlyFans because that's going to be probably my main source of income for a while until I get something moving again with writing and all that good stuff. So 
look look for that um am i nervous that people are gonna leave when i go back to a subscription for sure but I'll try to convince them that it's more lucrative for them to have a subscription that they pay once a month and they have all this free content as opposed to constantly having to buy things behind a paywall. I think it's better. We'll just see. We'll see if that works out for people if they like that. Otherwise, oh well. <laughs> Move on with my life. Um, I'm going to end this with That's a Wrap. My, one of my favorite segments, W-R-A-P Wrap. One of my favorite sets of rap lyrics this one's from one of my all-time favorites missy elliott literally i don't think there's a single song of hers i don't like i know all her albums back to like fucking super duper fly uh i mean get your freak on obviously it's a classic i could literally name a thousand of her songs a huge fan always have been she can do no wrong in my eyes and i thought for june pride month this was a really relevant set of lyrics i was listening to past that dutch the other day because of course i was i'm in cannabis and i love her so she's always on every playlist i've ever had and i really like this set of lyrics and i'm going to sing it for you now as well as i can in missy's voice so please enjoy Freak him, freak her, whatever your choice. Didn't come to judge. I came to get you moist. Scream hooty hoo. Now my voice is lost. Can I get a ride on the white horse? So I love that. Freak him, freak her, whatever your choice. I didn't come to judge. I came to get you moist. That is the best fucking line. Like, oh man, we should be using that a lot more. Um, Although these days we'd have to say, freak him them she him her they whatever your choice just so we're super inclusive and can i just request again that we pick a different word for um they and them like zisms or something because they just feels plural and it's very hard for me when someone says they want and then i look around for like who else and it's just one person i mean i can get used to it language changes as we talked about it can evolve but it's very difficult for me to think of they as a one person i don't care what what uh they want to go by or what they want to look like or what they want to do or who they want to fuck at all everybody should have equal rights but i just i really prefer if you you pick a different word than they i hope it i hope it comes i can't wait for when it does like when that happens and it's in the dictionary and it's in the constitution and all that i'm gonna be fucking so excited for that day um i got got a freaking email from you know i do marketing and uh somebody wrote back about an email that we sent for pride month and they were like how dare you like <laughs> talk about someone else's sexual preferences in a freaking email like this i'll 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 shop somewhere else where they don't do this or something it was like so dumb it was the dumbest fucking thing i've ever heard in my life and oh i hear it is uh, how bizarre and rude to celebrate certain customers' sexual preferences and emails to other customers. I'll do business with companies that can keep their political and sexual views and preferences out of the face of their customers. Unsubscribed and blocked. Do not contact us again. I was like, way to tell me you're a fucking Trumper with no sense of, uh, you know, humor or <laughs> health and happiness in your life. <sighs> Gay rights are equal rights. And Black Lives Matter. So with that, um, thanks for listening. Appreciate you listening. If you want to follow me on all the things, I'm at Cradrian, C-R-A-Y-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. If you want to share your glitches with me. A couple of people did, and they were just really long, so I didn't share them in this. But I will start to share more glitches again in episodes coming up. Love to hear them. Contact me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, OnlyFans, 
not YouTube. I don't really do anything there. If enough people ask, I'll start recording this podcast with video, but you know what I look like and I'm really just not that cute. I'm in a robe right now. So, uh, I don't want to, but obviously if I want to try to do this more, I've got to please the masses. So follow me on the things if you want. Thank you so much for listening. I know that you have a lot of things you could be doing with your time and I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to me and I hope you learned something. I know I went off on a linguistic rant back there. I don't even really remember what I was talking about. Oh yeah. Pigeons and creels. So sorry for that. But maybe if you learned something great and if you didn't don't ever listen again, live your life, enjoy your life and do psychedelics with caution. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye.